everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk. We're going to transition into the talk this morning, and we are in a series of Philippians. So today I... So excited to bring chapter three of Philippians to you, at least part of it. And to do that, I'm going to ask my dad. My dad is here. My dad is a retired pastor. And it's really special to me to get him to come up here and read scripture. He's the one that baptized me. Uh, And actually, because of one of his sermons, I came to know Jesus. And so this is super special to me. So he's going to bring to you Philippians chapter 1, not chapter 1, chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. If you need a Bible, there are some in the back that you can grab. And if you would please stand with me just to honor God's word. Stand with me, read along with my dad, Doug, as he brings us Philippians chapter 3. The word of scripture this morning is from the Apostle Paul, writing to a church that was in a Roman colony. That was a a big deal in those days. A church that's made up of basically Gentile, non-Jewish people. And he'll be saying something this morning to those non-Christian believers. I mean, they're Christians, but they're non-Jewish. Christian believers in a Roman colony and being talked to about their faith. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees, 
who demand the strictest obedience to Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Amen. Thank you. I love Paul. What is he saying here to his people? First thing was rejoice. And honestly, if you go through the book of Philippians, and I encourage you to do so and just underline this word, rejoice, joy, you'll find it over and over again, at least 11 times, if not more. Then you'll find the word Christ 37 times, if not more. You could do the same thing. Even if you just look at your Bible, especially if it has the red letters, you'll just see it pop out, Jesus Christ, Lord, over and over and over. What Paul is doing is saying, look at Jesus look at Jesus and rejoice. Rejoice. Even in all of the suffering, even in all of the pain, rejoice. These are his main points. And today we'll look at just one specific way to do this. Like how do we rejoice all the time? We know we can't always be happy, but joy, how can we rejoice in the midst of all of this, right? So basically, um, what I'm pulling out of here from Paul, I'm going to use a banana to illustrate, is what Paul is saying is, sometimes you have to discard things, especially what I really think he's saying is, sometimes you have to get rid of what you think saves you. If it's not Jesus, if he is not the one who saves you, if you are trusting in something else to save you, then you have to let it go. That's what he means when he says, I discarded everything else 
for Jesus. So here's what Paul thought before he met Jesus. So you're probably familiar with the story of how Paul met Jesus. Paul was, I don't want to use the word crazy, amazing. Like he, he studied under the highest level rabbi, Gamaliel, the highest. So he had the best teacher. He was in the best religious order, religious order. And he was high, high level, right? A Pharisee of the highest class. And he even said, in terms of the law, I followed it without fault. So if anybody followed all the rules in the Old Testament, it was Paul. He was incredible. That was him before he met Jesus. So what he thought was, if you consider all of those things, this banana, ooh, and not only the things that he did, because he studied under Gamaliel, he became a Pharisee, but just based on his birth, do you know who he was? It sounds like he was born of two people from the tribe of Benjamin, possibly, definitely one. He definitely came from the lineage of Benjamin. So Benjamin was one of the 12 sons of Jacob, born to Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel. So Benjamin was already very beloved. But even throughout history, Benjamin was the one who stayed loyal to the Davidic throne. So when David was king, after that, years later, the, the kingdom of the 12 tribes, it split. But Benjamin stayed loyal to David. So it was David and Benjamin, tribe of Judah and Benjamin, they stayed. The rest split off. So Benjamin was already highly revered. So not only has he done incredible things, but he just is by birth in the highest, one of the highest classes of Judaism, being a Jew. And so he's bragging about this and the fact that he was circumcised. This was a big deal. To be Jewish, you had to be circumcised. Uh, all of this, he's, he's sharing all of his accomplishments and just who he is. So before he met Jesus, he held those super tightly, like holding a banana really tightly. And maybe you know where I'm going with this. If you have seen the videos or heard about how you can trap a monkey with the banana. So I, I did watch the video. I'm not going to put it up for you. But imagine that this is a coconut. What they do, and I obviously did not have time to like hole out a coconut, but they put a hole in a coconut, stick the banana in. Then the monkey comes. He's like holding onto a tree. He comes in. He grabs the banana in the coconut, but he can't pull his hand out. And he wants the banana so badly, he will not let it go to get his hand out of the coconut. So he's just stuck. He's like stuck there on the tree with a coconut and a banana, like looking around, and then he can be trapped. All because he just won't let go of the banana, right? All the monkey has to do is let it go. And then he can be free, freedom. But he just wants it so badly. So I imagine that Paul, in his deep desire actually to love God, he thought he was loving God by doing all of those things. He held it so, so tightly. So basically, Jesus had to blind him, literally blind him, and come and speak to him and tell him, Paul, Paul, no, this isn't right. This isn't how you love God. You love God by loving me, and I am mercy and grace and compassion and love, and then Paul could let go of all of these things. So that's what Paul is saying, is that I had to let it all go, because he thought those things saved him. He thought he would go to heaven because he was a Jew, because he followed the law, 
because he had become a Pharisee. All of those things were his salvation. So he lets go of the things that he thinks save him in order to grab hold of Jesus. Jesus is the only one, the only way to be saved. It doesn't matter how many good things or who you studied under or what your birth lineage is. It just matters if you look to Jesus and say, yes, I want to take your hand. Only you can save me. That's what Paul is saying here to his readers. You can discard all of those things. So looking at the text, I'll explain a few more things. And then we'll use this analogy and apply it to our lives. So for Paul, he says, verse 1, rejoice in the Lord. Verse 2, he goes into, this is why I love Paul. He's like super honest. You dogs, you mutilators of the flesh, you evil people. He's talking to, to people who are what they call Judaizers. I might have said that wrong. But basically, they're Jewish by lineage, by birth. They practice all the ways of Judaism. They have, though, also um, met Jesus. And um, some of them have, some of them haven't. Either way, it's this Jewish sect. So they're saying to these Christians, my dad mentioned, Paul's writing to Christians who are not Jewish. They're Greek, and they're living in a Roman colony. But they aren't Jewish by birth. So this idea of, do I have to be circumcised? Do I have to follow all of the Jewish laws? Because we follow Jesus and we're not Jewish. This was a big question at that time. So those people who Paul's addressing here as dogs, and which he means back then dogs were not pets that you snuggle and cuddle. They were wild out on the streets. They would come and attack you. So what he's saying is that these people are telling you, you have to be circumcised, you have to follow the law, but that's not correct. Paul does not want them to believe in that teaching. Now, it's not just Paul's idea. If you go back, you can turn with me if you want. Otherwise, it'll be up here. If you go to Acts chapter 15, you will see that this is not just Paul's idea that no, you don't have to be circumcised. They had a council at Jerusalem with all of um, the people important who had been with Jesus, apostles, followers, believers, brothers, and they got together, they prayed, they asked the Holy Spirit, and I'll read it for you. I'm going to start at verse 5. They got together, um, prayed, asked the Holy Spirit, and then Peter stands up and he addresses the crowd. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted, oh, sorry, Pharisees first, the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. Okay, sorry. So the apostles and the elders, they met together to resolve this issue. At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood up and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? 
We believe that we are all saved the same way, by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. So Peter makes it very clear that you don't have to follow all of those rules. It is about faith in Jesus alone that saves you. And then they came to this conclusion. I'm going to read in verse 28. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, the council, to lay no greater burden on you, the Gentiles, than these few requirements. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Farewell. So those were really the only things that they were telling the Gentile believers, this will really help you. Not this will save you, but this will really help you. You'll do well if you follow those. That's where that ended. So Paul, then in his letter to the Philippians, is just saying, watch out. They're going to tell you these and they're lies. They're going to tell you, you have to be circumcised, you have to follow all the rules, but it's not true. The only way to be saved is to take the hand of Jesus. So that's what Paul is saying there. And then he goes into, as I shared before, all the reasons that he thought he would be saved and that that wasn't true and he had to let it go and lay it down. He discarded everything else. So looking at verse 8, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. So today, I wonder, and this is a really hard question, and you probably have to sit with it for a while. I did. I still sit with it. The question is, what are you holding on to so tightly that you actually think will save you. And you could be blinded to that answer. I was for a long time. For a long time, I would say to people, I don't, I don't think I'm saved by my good works, but I actually did believe it in my heart. So God had to take away the blinders and show me, it's just me. It's not what you do. It's who you are. It's just Emily. I just love Emily, not all of the good things that you're doing for me. So it took a while, but I had to say, I'm done. I'm done with all the serving. I'm done with all the titles. I'm, I just have to be your friend. I just have to figure out that you love me just for me. So I'm asking you the question, what are you holding on to so tightly that you think it's going to save you, but it won't. So let me give you another picture to sit with. And that question you can ask yourself over and over and over and over. There are always things that we can discard in order to say, just you, Jesus. Just you. This job won't save me, won't define me. When all is said and done, that job won't be yours anymore. This Jim, it won't save me. This alcohol, it won't save me. This drug, it won't save me. We all will have to come to that. And it over and over, you might want to ask yourself, what am I holding on so tightly to that I can't grab 
Jesus' hand. So I'm going to give you another picture. I'm going to call my dad up for this one. Let's put this down. And I'm going to have you stand right there. Thank you. Okay, so the image that I would love for you to take away today is this is an image of Jesus. He is not Jesus. I used to think that when I was a kid. I really did. I thought he was Jesus come again. But I know that's not true. But just for today, pretend this is Jesus. And what he's doing is extending his hands to you. So his hand is here, always open. There's never anything that Jesus holds too tightly to. He wants you. He wants just you, right? He wants your hand, your heart, your mind, all of you. So he's always like this. But what happens with us, what we do, I'm going to use money first because I love money and I shouldn't and I'm working on it, but here's some money. I don't think it saves me because I do know when I am gone, it, it will not come with me. I know that. But sometimes I get really into it. Like, we, do, we have to have enough. We have to have enough. We have to be secure. We have to be secure. And I turn away from Jesus. Even though he's here and he has his hand extended, I can't. I can't grab his hand. He can grab mine, right? He can grab my wrist and be like, dump it out. Dump it out. But he's kind and he's gentle. Like, look at this smile. He's not going to do that. He's not going to throw me to the ground and wrestle the money out of my hand, right? Because he's kind. He just is here, and he's waiting, and he's waiting until I finally decide, okay, I'm done. I'll never have enough, and it won't save me anyway. And then I can grab, and you can lead me, and he can take me wherever I need to go because I've decided I don't need this, and it's not going to save me. Oh, I get a hug. That's really sweet. So kind. Jesus is really kind. I'll use another, another example. Oh, this one's a little bit harder. These are rocks. And for you, I'll let you decide what they represent. And I won't even share mine because we don't have to share everything, but these are addictions. Or just, if addiction is too strong of a word, whatever it is, that you just hold it so tightly it could be a person or people. Uh, it could be an addiction. It's probably wherever you put your money and your time. And whatever it is that you just, you want it more. You want it more than Jesus. So you hold it and you hold it and you think, oh, these, these will save me. These will save me. And you begin to, to look at them and to fall in love with something that's not lovable at all. They certainly can't love you back. And they certainly don't actually save you or solve anything. They just are, and they're heavy. They're really heavy. And again, I can't take Jesus' hand. He could grab mine, but I can't take his hand if I'm holding onto them so tightly. So again, what is Paul saying? Discard. Discard. Give it, give it away. Let it go. Whatever you think is going to save you. I'm not saying... You have to give everything away. I'm saying you give away what you think is actually saving you, and that's a hard question. Another thing that can happen is something good. So I have these beautiful flower petals. They're beautiful to me because I have a black thumb, and these were actually flowers that I actually got to grow for more than a week. 
So they're special to me, and they're good, and they represent, I worked hard to keep them alive. I felt like they brought, they do, they bring beauty. They helped my house to sell in like seven days. I really think it was because of the flowers. And they're beautiful, and they're a part of God's plan. I actually really felt like I was supposed to buy these flowers. I don't know why. I just did. They're part of his plan, right? But if I keep holding on to this idea that I must do this, this is what God has called me to do. He called me to grow these flowers. If I hold on to that forever, what's going to happen in the winter? They're going to die. I can't keep them forever. So it could even be something good, something really good in your heart that is from God or that you think is from God or that just, it could be something good. That's all I'm trying to say is that you got, think really big about what you're holding on to because it might be something good. But again, if you even hold on to something great and good, you can't grab Jesus' hand anymore. And so what it takes is being able to look at Jesus and realize, oh, you're kind and you're good and you're not going to wrestle me to the ground and you want to hug me and lead me and guide me and you want me to hear your voice. And when I realize for real that God is good, that he's kind, that Jesus loves just me, that I don't have to do anything to earn his favor, and that all the things I did do bad, all those rocks I've had that I still have, he still loves me anyway. And then I can begin to loosen my grip and say the good and the bad and all of the things Please don't stick to me. All of the things have to go so that I can grab Jesus' hand so that he can lead me and guide me. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.